You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Hello, my lovely friend. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited that you are here. I am your host, Rebecca Henson. Before we get into today's topic, I have a few announcements to share. The first is that I am now offering a one-month reset program. That's right. You now have the option to do a shorter program rather than my traditional 12-week one. I had some inquiries about doing a shorter program, so I have listened, and this is a four-week program with me. It includes all the same things as the 12-week one, so that means the in-depth wellness analysis, recommendation plan, weekly meal guides, text email support, and then our weekly follow-up call. Uh, This is the same guidance and support through your journey that you get with the 12-week program, Of course, as always, this is not medical advice. I am here as a guide, as a cheerleader, all the things, but I am really, really excited to be offering this now. If you have any questions, you can email me at Rebecca at TheRefinedHippie.com. The next exciting announcement is that I am working on a holiday recipe guide, which is going to include over 12 of my personal go-to favorite recipes that have never been shared on my website. They are perfect for Thanksgiving or AKA Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate, they are perfect for any special occasion, birthday party, Easter, whatever it is. So be sure to stay tuned for that. It should be coming out at the 1st of November. You can sign up for my newsletter to be notified when that is available. So without further ado, we are going to get into today's topic. I have been thinking about this subject for a few years now. I had thought about doing an Instagram post or, you know, whatever about it, but I never did. So anyways, I am doing a podcast about it now. And that is the five traits that we need to bring back from our grandparents. And these might seem really basic, but I believe they can have and could have profound effects on our lives and society as a whole. When I say our grandparents, I mean the, quote, greatest generation. That means they were born a person born between 1900 and 1920s. And this generation grew up during the Great Depression. They fought in World War II or were of working age through it. And of course, I'm not saying that they were the perfect generation. They had their faults too, of course. But this is more about certain habits that helped them form happier people, happier families, communities, and they felt less stressful. They were happier. Of course, there are a lot of other things that have caused our country, our first world countries, to be unhealthy through the years. But I think if we can implement some of these habits, we can find a greater sense of ease, purpose, fulfillment, overall life contentment, And by decreasing that stress, you encourage health on your entire body, right? It's a mind, body, spirit. So it's a lot about living in the present. They did not have as many distractions as we do, of course, today with technology. They didn't have endless amounts of streaming on 
their TV or computers. They didn't have their phones attached to them. So there are a lot of things that are easy for us to reach to that can cause anxiety and cause uh, us to be less connected to each other and those around us. So the first habit is eating at the table. Of course, again, this seems super basic, right? A few years ago, I implemented Table Tuesdays where Derek and I would always eat at the table instead of in front of the TV. Of course, 50 years ago, that was the reverse, right? Most families sat at the table and maybe once a week, it was a treat to get to eat in front of the TV. There are a lot of reasons why they didn't sit in front of the TV as much. One, because they didn't have as many viewing options, of course. So people could argue that. It's like, well, they didn't have any shows to watch. There were like 10, you know, 10 channels, maybe not even that. Uh, so there weren't as many options and as many, um, yeah, just as many distractions. So uh, it's shown that families who eat at a table together build stronger bonds. They have better communication. Kids are more likely to try different uh, produce, more fruits and vegetables. They're willing to try more different things if they sit at the table. People eat slower while they're sitting at a table and they are more mindful eaters. I think if we could get more people to just sit at a table together without the TV on, without their phones at the table, I mean, this can even go for, you know, when you're eating out to make sure everybody does not have their phone out. How many times do you go out to eat? If you're out to lunch or out to dinner and you look over and the whole table is looking down at their phone. <laughs> it blows my mind. Either they're texting or they're looking through Instagram or they're checking their email. They're not present, you know? They're not present. They're living through, you know, especially if they're looking at social media, they are living, looking at somebody else's life, looking at somebody else eating out with their friends. And you're like, you're with your friends. You're with your family. Be there. Be present. Uh, if you do have a family, you might already be always eating at the table, especially if you have small children. I would think you have to eat at the table. Maybe they have to sit in a high chair or whatnot. Um, but if you do have older kids or if you're like me and don't have kids, it's easy to just default I'm pointing at my husband. He's the one. <laughs> it's not me. Uh, I'm going to throw him under the bus for that. But he, after a long day, he kind of just like wants to, you know, veg out. And I totally get it. But is it too much to ask to just sit at the table for even like 20 minutes? Most of us don't eat that long. It's not like we're in Europe and you're sitting down for two hours. I mean, that's the way they eat, you know. Uh, and here over here in America, we're like, Get it done, shovel it in my mouth, and let's move on to things. Meanwhile, this is the most important, one of the most important things, not just for your body and obviously what you're nourishing yourself with, but one of the most important things for de-stressing and just having some quality time with your loved ones. If you live alone and that is kind of your issue with eating at the table, my suggestion is to call a friend while you're eating. I don't mind if somebody's eating and they're talking to me on the phone, <laughs> you know, or FaceTime them or um, put on some fun music. I think there are other ways that you can enjoy your meal and being present without watching TV, you know, um, and just eating at a table for sure. So the next habit is growing a garden. 
Raise your hand if your grandparents had a garden. I would bet it's a lot of us. <laughs> this was common for most people of that generation, and it wasn't just because of the Victory Gardens, although that did start a lot of them. Uh, if you're not familiar, Victory Gardens or War Gardens were encouraged during World War One and Two to help supplement rations and boost morale. Uh, they were used to relieve pressure on this, you know, straining food supply. Um, and today, as we see prices of food going up like crazy, why not grow a garden for economical reasons and to de-stress? You get to be outside, you get to get your hands dirty, uh, and then obviously reap the benefits of having nutritious food that you have control of the crop's how they're grown, what's put on them. Of course, the vegetables are going to taste better because they're going to be super fresh. Um, And how cute is it? It's always people come up. Let me just say, okay, first off, my garden is not doing that great, (laughs) but I'm trying. Okay. But it is that conversation piece kind of, you know, when people come over, they're curious about my garden, they're curious about what I'm growing. uh, And they can give me, you know, some people, it inspires them to maybe start one Or if they're avid gardeners, they're giving me tips, which is hopefully going to help me out in the future because gardening is hard. Let me tell you, it is a lot more than just putting some seeds in the ground and being like, okay, grow. Um, As I have learned, there are little pests and when you're trying to grow organic, that can be frustrating, but so rewarding. And I think that if we could just try to get more people to have gardens, like why not? Um, I think I've told this story before and I I know it's in a lot of different cities, but around five or six years ago, Derek and I visited Vancouver where one of my close friends was living. And I was amazed at how green Vancouver is. It is a gorgeous city. Let me tell you, if you ever get a chance to go, do it. It is awesome. The people are so nice. There's so much amazing plant-based vegan food. Um, But the thing that I was really surprised by is how many front yard gardens they had. So they were utilizing their front yard and had just lush gardens growing all types of different vegetables and greens. And I mean, it's just such a better uh, use of space, right? I have a very large front yard that serves no purpose. (laughs) Uh, and we have joked about possibly putting in some beds in the front. We have some in the back, but the front does get really great light. So maybe in the future we will plant some beds up there. Uh, the third trait that I think would help people again, super basic, and that is getting outside. This is pretty common sense, but naturally they've done studies on it because we humans need that data. You know what I mean? (laughs) A study looked at almost 20,000 adults in England, which found that people who spent between 120 to 180 minutes in nature a week, they had greater likelihood of reporting good health and high well-being compared to the week before. And the well-being, which is defined as um, a level of a person's satisfaction with their life, And fewer than 120 minutes was not associated with these improvements. Um, Being outside induces positive and mental effects, of course. So again, pretty self-explanatory. People 
of the older generations spent a lot more time outside, obviously naturally, because like I said in the previous one, a lot of times they had gardens. Um, oftentimes they were hanging out laundry to dry. They didn't have a, you know, a um, well, they might have had a washer, but didn't have a dryer for their clothes. So there were a lot of other things that they were doing outside and we are meant to be outside. We are not meant to stay all day in these little boxes um, not to mention the quality of air, I mean, in our houses is not good. There are so many VOCs and a lot of toxic chemicals being um, released from our furniture, from our walls, and we're just, it's just not, not meant to be. If you can open all your windows, this time of year is so nice here in the Southeast, and we basically have like all of our windows open, and it's amazing. So yeah, get outside, do it. Number four is eating mostly home cooked food. We have a much larger percentage today of people eating out for a lot of their meals and or getting delivery, which is basically the same thing. (laughs) It means you aren't eating food prepared in your own kitchen with fresh ingredients. The total amount of money spent on food, quote, away from home, versus at home, has risen 94% since 2003. It's also been shown that up to 60% of what Americans eat is considered ultra-processed. So I get that the lifestyle landscape has changed a lot since the the 1950s, of course. Back then, you had a majority of couples with one spouse who stayed at home. Usually, it was the woman. And today, we have most household couples working away from the house. And this is where planning comes into play. Meal prepping can be super helpful for people with this type of fast-paced work-home life. There are also some meal delivery services that will send you all of the ingredients that are wholesome, organic, all the things so, um, yeah, I think that, that there's a way to combat this. And also, I think it's a, a little bit about shifting the view that we have on cooking because I feel like it's almost negative. And it's very different in other cultures around the world who that is kind of their, like, main focus, you know. And, and I know a lot of them do spend a lot of time in the kitchen. And, again, not everybody has that kind of... Uh, time to devote to cooking, but I think it's about kind of shifting the 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 image of cooking. Uh, in a Harvard Business Review study, there was a researcher who found that Americans fall into one of three groups. Fifteen percent of people say they love to cook. Fifty percent of people say they hate to cook, and thirty-five percent of people are ambivalent about cooking so that's half of the population that does not like cooking and I think some type of programming behind that maybe brainwashing or maybe the pendulum has just swung and because women were kind of forced to stay in the home or expected to stay in the home and expected to cook women are taking the opposite stance which I speak from experience because I felt that way for at least like 10 years of my life when I was like a teenager and then early 20s. I was super annoyed if I met a guy and they asked me if I could cook. I only had that happen one time and it was 
I was furious. And so I just kind of had this this view on it that, you know, it was like a feminist stance, right? I am a 21st century girl. You should not expect a woman to cook. So I am not going to cook. I hate cooking. I'm never going to cook because I'm going to have a chef. I'm going to have a cook in my house. (laughs) That's literally what I kind of thought and said. Um, But I've definitely taken a different stance on that. And I love cooking. But I I can understand if you don't know how to cook. Um, And to that, I say take some lessons. There are cooking lessons. Obviously, YouTube is a great source. And um, and just don't be afraid to get there, get in the kitchen and try out new stuff. I think that schools should also have cooking classes. I think a lot of us can agree that there are our education system here is lacking, which is I don't want to even get into that subject, obviously. But wouldn't that be great if they kind of focused on these classes that were real life skills, which cooking is one of them, because we all need to eat and eating healthy and eating fresh cooked food is very, very important. So the last habit that I'm going to chat about is reading instead of watching TV. Again, this is pretty self-explanatory, but in the age of Netflix and other streaming services, it has never been easier to watch copious amounts of television, binge watching all the things. I am guilty of it as well. TV consumption is at an all-time high in 2013 to 17. The U.S. civilian population ages 15 and older spent an average of two hours and 46 minutes per day watching television. This amounted to more than half of the total time per day they spent in leisure and sports activities. I would also say maybe reading instead of your phone as well. Because when I say read, I mean like read an actual book that you can hold in your hand. Not reading on your phone with your head tilted down, you know, creating that tech neck. (laughs) Uh, I mean like a real life book or even if it's not reading, like a hobby, painting, um, just like literally anything else that's like not in front of a screen. I think it's kind of the gist of it, right? Reading and watching TV has a totally different effect on the brain. Watching just a few minutes of TV turns our normal beta brain state into alpha brain state and the alpha brain state makes us more susceptible to what we're watching it makes us more suggestible to whatever is being shown program that's why they're called programs we're being programmed Uh, when we're in this hypnosis like trance we are in a lower mental state less critical less able to discern truth from falsity reality from unreality and many studies have been shown, uh, or have, sorry, have been done pertaining to this. In 1969, Herbert Kurgman conducted experiments on human brain wave while watching TV. Kurgman monitored a person through many trials and found that in less than one minute of television, television watching, the person's brain waves switched from beta waves brainwaves associated with active logical thought to primary alpha waves so when the subject stopped watching tv and began reading a magazine the brainwaves reverted back to the beta waves so yeah again all of these seem like things that are no-brainers 
but it's just a little reminder and it's like what would your parents what would your grandparents do you know wwgd what would your grandparents do <laughs> uh i hope this inspires you to get outside grow a garden sit at the table <laughs> all the things uh or just be more conscious about it or talk to your loved ones about it to try to get other people on the bandwagon i i feel like probably a lot of people who listen to my show are kind of on the same page here but it's like trying to encourage others around us to also be like this and you know we can get in our ruts like I said I have definitely had my share of you know streaming binges you know tv binges and uh, honestly it feels good every now and then right to like binge watch one of your favorite shows and just kind of and it's called veg out for a reason like you were totally vegged out you're in those you're you're in those uh (laughs) in the alpha waves instead of the beta waves and um but it is about doing that as a treat. It's not an everyday thing. And yeah, just being more present, trying to be more present, which is totally what our grandparents did. They were way more present than we are now. And you can see the effects of it on everybody's mental health because ah, it is crazy out there. So I hope you enjoyed that episode again. You can sign up for my holiday meal guide. And also, if you have any questions about my new one-month program, please reach out to me. And until next time, my lovely friend, peace and plants. Peace.